You know, just in case you haven't heard, we live in a we live in divisive times here. All kinds of issues, chaos, all kinds of different groups here and there. Where? Where? <laughs> you know, we even in the church, right? Even in our church, we have all kinds of different denominations. We have our mainstream, you know, our, our mainstream denominations such as the Methodists. Uh, Lutherans and things of that sort, and we have our evangelical brothers and sisters, and you know we have our non-denominational groups that no longer wants to associate with anybody else, right? They just want to be the, their own, and you know they just want to be their own independent church, and so we have all these kinds of different groups, even in the church, in our, in our politics, we have all these kinds of different groups in politics. You know we have all kinds of different parties, but you know mainly the, of course, the two main party, the the Republicans and and the Democrats, and, you know, as our evangelical brothers and sisters, they're more into the Republican side, while we, in the mainstream, we're more into the Democratic side, right? And so we have all these different, we have all these different groups. Not only that, we have all these different ethnic groups, you know, here and there, and a lot of times, you know, we, we are divisive, you know, we divide over all these different ethnic groups, you know. Um, we, we have the minorities, we have the Anglos, you know, we have the blacks, we have, you know, the Mexicans, we have the Asians. And we oftentimes, so many times, we disagree simply based upon these things, simply based upon our ethnicity and things of that sort. And so what does the Bible teach us? You know, during difficult times such as these, when, when we are living in, in a society that is so divisive such as these, these times, how do we handle these Situation. How do we, as Christians, how do we approach these situations? You know, in the church itself, in the Bible itself, it often talks about different groups that's following Jesus Christ. We see in John chapter 6, verse 2, we see the group that was following Jesus Christ simply because they were after the miracles that Christ was doing. They saw this, you know, they saw Jesus Christ performing all these miracles, and that's what they wanted. And that's what they were wanted to be able to, you know, to see. That's what they wanted to be able to observe. And so they were following Christ simply for that, to get the healing, to get the miracles. We also see in John chapter 6, verse 26, the Scriptures also teach us about a group of people that Jesus Christ talks about, a group of people that were following Jesus Christ simply, simply for food, Right? Simply for food. We see Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ feeding 5,000 people. 5,000 people. And that, that doesn't even take into account all the women and all the children. Uh, most Bible scholars will say that if we were to take in, into account all the men, and I mean all the women and all the children, there's probably about 20,000 people at that time when Jesus Christ you know, fed those people with five loaves and two fish. And so we see that there's all these different groups that were following Jesus Christ. But there's only one group that was actually there. There's only one group that actually followed Jesus Christ to the very end. One group that actually followed Jesus Christ to the very end. Because, there was a, because most of the other groups, they, they, they left him. When the teachings became tough, when the suffering, you know, when they start realizing the sacrifices and the sufferings that they were going to go through, we see that there's a group in John chapter 6, verse 66, it talks about that group in which Jesus Christ says that, that basically, you know, simply that group left Jesus Christ and he was just left there. And so there was a time, there was a time when he was very popular, like I talked about last week. There was a time that we, he was very popular, and he had all these people just gathering around him, 
you know, waiting for all these miracles, waiting for all these things, waiting for all these food. And then there came a point in time in which people started deserting him. They just started deserting him. We know that the time when it came up to the time in which he was um, arrested, even Peter himself, even Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. And so there's all these different groups. So what, what this scripture here, what this scripture here in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through verse 36, it opens up and Jesus Christ says, this is for those who are willing to listen. For those who are willing to listen. In other words, this is for those who are willing to follow Jesus Christ till the end. Okay, the scripture teaches us that we are, that we are, um, we, we are saved when we follow Jesus Christ all the way till the end. Not that when we follow him halfway or something like that, but the scripture teaches us that those who are saved are those who follow Jesus Christ all the way till the end. And so this scripture here, what Jesus Christ is talking about is he's saying that, you know, for those who are willing to listen, in other words, those who are willing to follow Christ all the way till the end. And this is what, how we, we who follow Jesus Christ, how we are to treat those who, are our, who we consider to be our enemies, who consider to be our political foes, our political opponents, those who, who see as, you know, whatever it is, whatever the situation is. Even right now we see that our United Methodist Church, we're going through um, the general conference in St. Louis right now, and there's a big debate over the ordination of homosexuals, uh, clergies, and things of that sort. And so the church is pretty divided over these types of issues. And so how do we handle this? How do we handle, how do we approach each other? How do we talk about these things as Christians? And so Jesus Christ, he gives us, he gives us, and he teaches us, and he shows us how we are supposed to approach these things. And he says here, he says here that you are to love your enemies. You are to love your enemies. And so he goes on and he defines who these enemies are. He talks about those who hate us. Right? They are our enemies. He talks about those who curse us. In other words, the people who curse us are the people who don't talk well about us. Right? They, they say bad things about us. He talks about those who, who mistreat us. All these different groups are, are oftentimes what we consider to be our enemies. Right? We consider these people to be our enemies. And so sometimes you know, our enemies, sometimes those people who hate us, may be the very person that lives next door to us. Can be our neighbor that lives next door to us. We never know. Back in the 90s, we have a Hmong family that bought a house uh, in Marysville. And so they were living back to this, you know, right next door to this older couple. And just the two of them, you know, just the older couple was just the two elderly couple. But for some reason, that elderly couple was always trying to find issues. You know, they're always calling the, the, the cops on that Hmong family. And they're always coming up with all these different things to accuse that Hmong family of. And this one time, they, they even called the cops and they said that the Hmong family, all the kids, the two or three-year-old kids, were shooting BB guns at them. And so they came up with all kinds of accusations, making it so hard for that Hmong family to live next door to them. And finally, that Hmong family, they, they had enough, and so they had to leave. They moved out. They, they just sold their house, and they moved out. And, and, and one of the saddest things, the saddest things about, you know, back then was that that was around the time in which Hmong, 
Hmong families were finally able to start buying houses, you know, because before then they, they weren't able to afford it. And so this family, the first house that they were able to buy, they had to go through this experience. And so it's very tough. It's very tough when you go through that experience and you have people like that who are mistreating you like that. It's hard to say, we must love them, right? Nobody, no one wants to say that. But what Jesus Christ is saying here is Jesus Christ is saying, saying we still must love them. Even when they're treating us like this, that we must still love them. You know, sometimes our enemy can be someone in the church that's always attacking us. You know, here in our Methodist, I've been here for the past five, six years. I haven't really seen a lot of issues between the church and the pastors, but, um, which is fortunate for me. But, you know, in the CMA, when I was in the CMA, wow, we have so much issues. This one time I was, I was an elder sitting on the board, and we have our pastor there. And there's always this one, the very same guy, every single month, every single month, because he knows that we, as the governing board of the church, he knows that we have a meeting every single month. And so every single month, he'll write a letter to the church saying, kick the pastor out, right? Every single month. It's always a letter to the governing board saying, you know, I don't like the pastor because of this. I don't like the pastor because of that. I'm not happy with this pastor. This pastor, he makes, you know, we're paying him way too much money. And at that time, we're paying him $24,000 a year. But, you know, to him, that was way too much money. You know, we shouldn't be paying the pastor so much. If he truly believes in God, he needs to serve for free, right? And so some people, that's how their mentality works. And so... Um, Sometimes we have people like that. So sometimes your enemy might be someone in the church. And this pastor, being an older pastor, he was very, even though he was going through this tough time within the church, with this person always attacking him, he was always very humble about it. I often put myself in his shoes, and I often put myself in his position, and I often wonder to myself, you know, would I ever be able to do what he did? You know, just being so humble and just not being... Uh, I mean, I know he was affected by it. You know, you can see it when, whenever the letter comes in and saying all these bad things about him. And, you know, I, I even went up to this person and talked to this person. I said, do you know that every single time you write a letter to the governing board that the pastor reads it? And he says, yeah, that's why I write it, right? <laughs> so he wants, yeah, he wants this message to get to the pastor. It's, it's very hurtful things, very hurtful things. But the pastor... But the pastor was able to just humble himself and not make a big deal out of it. And the pastor still, you know, the amazing thing is that when this person was sick in the hospital and was passing away, the pastor actually went to pray for him, even, you know, after all these difficult times. And sometimes when I look at people like that, it really inspires me, really inspires me. Because I know that for myself, I don't know how I would ever be able to handle something like that when somebody's constantly, constantly attacking attacking you like that. And yet the Bible is saying that even in that situation, even in that situation, that you are still, that you are still to love them. You see? And that's what this pastor was trying to model to the rest of us, the rest of us who are part of that governing board of that church, is that even though he's going through this, these difficult times, even though he was constantly being attacked, he still loved this person. He still prayed for this person. A lot of times our enemy can be our own spouse. We often hear the phrase, you know, sleeping with the enemy. I have a young, young lady, you know, that I, I've known for, you know, most of my life. And, and she, she got married and her, her marriage, you know, she, it was in a bad situation. So she talks, 
So she, so she talked about how, how you know, at night when she sleeps and her, she feels that she doesn't even trust her husband anymore. She feels that her husband's going to try to do something bad to her, you know, try to kill her or something like that. You know, fortunately, she found the courage to leave the relationship after a while. But she went through that, you know, that, 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 that very difficult time in her marriage that she couldn't trust her husband anymore. And so sometimes it may be your own spouse that, that is our enemy, that is the one that's, you know, um, attacking us, that's mistreating us. And yet, even in that case, Jesus Christ is saying that we are still to love them. And it's hard to understand, it's hard to comprehend for us. It's hard for us to comprehend. Yet sometimes the person that we hate the most may be our political opponents. I want us to understand, I've talked about this before, I want us to understand exactly how the people, how the Israelites, how the Jewish people, when they heard this message from Jesus Christ, I want us to understand exactly how they received it. Okay? Because their enemies, they know who their enemies were. Their enemies were the Roman people. Or the Roman government, you know, because these people have come and taken their land about 60 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And so, so, so many of them, so many of them were always uprising, trying to, you know, trying to win back their land, trying to, you know, overcome this political chaos that, that was going on. And we see Barabbas in the Bible, and that's, that's who Barabbas was. He was somebody that was you know, trying to, trying to, you know, he was uprising and going against the Romans. And so when the Jewish people, when they heard this message that you are to love your enemies, this is exactly how they heard it, is, is that we are to love the Romans, the Roman people. We are to love the Roman people. That's, that's difficult for them to do because these people were the people that were oppressing them. Many of the tax collectors at that time, I mean, they're, they're oppressing them to the point in which they, they were u- using other Jewish people to become tax collectors, such as Matthew, right? Matthew, one of Jesus Christ's disciples, was a tax collector. And one of the things that the tax collectors would do is that they would collect a little portion and send it over to the Roman, you know, government. And yet whatever's above that, whatever's above that, they keep for themselves. And the Roman government doesn't care. They didn't care. And so a lot of the tax collectors, the reason why they were so hated in that time was because they were collecting more than they needed to. Because they were just sending a little portion over to the Romans and they were keeping everything else for themselves. And they were, they were becoming rich because of that. And so they were, they, they were hated. They, they were the enemy of the people at that time. And yet, Jesus Christ, when he says, love your enemies, that's, that's, how they, that's who they were thinking about. Those were their enemies at that time. And yet, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. It is so difficult. I, I understand that. But many times when we hear the scriptures and we hear the teachings of Jesus Christ and we can't really comprehend it, how is it possible for us to do that? You know, if I was to go into an evangelical church and if I wanted to just piss them off, you know, on purpose, I'll say, why don't you love Obama? Many of them will be, you know, upset with that. It's hard. It's difficult. If I go to most mainline uh, Protestants and we're saying, you must love Donald Trump, how would they, most of them will not, will be upset with that. And so when Jesus Christ, I just want us to understand that when Jesus Christ was saying this message, it's pretty much like, that's pretty much the context in which he was speaking of. Just going to a church filled with Democrats and saying that you must love Donald Trump, or going to a church filled with, with Republicans and saying you must love Obama. That's pretty much the context. 
That's pretty much the situation that was going on here. And yet Jesus Christ says, if you were to follow me, if you were to be the group that's willing to listen and follow me till the end, this is how you were to deal with these situations, that you were to love them. And how do we love them? It goes on and says that we love them. For those who hate us, we love them by doing good to them. We love them by doing good to them. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do not grow weary of doing good. The apostle Paul says, don't grow weary of these things. That You need to keep doing them. Even though sometimes when you're doing them and it seems like there's no point in it anymore, you continue to do it. You continue to do good. 3 John chapter 1, verse 11 says, Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil have not seen God. And so an evidence... An evidence that we know God, an evidence that we are a Christian is for us to continue to do good to people, even, even when they're not doing good to us, even when they're mistreating us. That we are still to befriend them, we're still to be able to, we need to reach out to them, we need to pray for them. We need to find a way, find a way to really just reach out to them. And it goes on and says that, that those who curse us, what are we to do? We are to bless them. We are to bless them. In other words, what it's talking about is this blessing is about talking good about them. You know, even though they're talking bad about you, even though they're cursing, you know, they're cursing you, they're talking bad, they're saying all these bad things about you, that you still need to say good things about them. It's one of the things that I try to practice in my life, and it's one of the things that we as Methodists, we really believe in, is, that, is, is the way that we talk, Right? The words that we speak, we believe that this is a means of grace. This is something in which God works through to sanctify us, to treat us. It's by the way that we talk, by, talk about each other and by the way that we talk, you know, on a daily basis. That this is how God works through us to sanctify us, to transform us. And so one of the things that I often practice is I try to do my best to say, say good things about people who just don't like me, right? And that's what Jesus Christ is saying here. That's what we must do. We, we must practice that. Even though someone, you may perceive them as someone that's bad, you may see them as your enemy, but why don't you start talking good about them? That would be something that will help you. That would be something that, that may, may um, help your relationship with them. Why don't you t- practice doing that? The Bible says in James chapter 3, it talks about the tongue, that the tongue is something that's very small in the body. But yet, if, we don't, if we're not careful with it, it can spread sin throughout the entire body, right? If we're not careful with our tongue, then our tongue can cause so much damage to so many people, you know? And so it's very, very important in, in, in regards to the things that we say. A lot of times, it's not only going to you know, you spread sin throughout the entire body, but sometimes it's going to spread sin throughout our entire family, Right? Our entire family, sometimes it's going to spread sin throughout our entire church, our entire community, our entire nation. And this is why it's so important for our leaders of the country to, to learn how to, how to control their tongues, the things that they say. And we, as, as, as the church, it's very important for us to also control ourselves in the things that we do, the things that we say about each other. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, Sin isn't ended by multiplying words. But sin is ended by what? By holding your tongue. By holding your tongue. So this is how, how we're able to overcome sin, is by holding our tongue. Not by speaking more, but, but just holding your tongue. And Ephesians t- uh, teaches us that do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But everything that you say, 
everything that you say must be said in a way to build other people up. And so as Christians, that's, that's one of the things that we, we think about is that the words that I'm speaking, the words that I'm saying, is it meant to build other people up? And so this is how Christ is telling us that we are to treat those who are talking bad about us. We're to treat those who are cursing us, is that we are to speak well of them. You know, I, I, have, this, um, I have this cousin who, his son went and married um, to marry someone who doesn't like to farm. And their, their family is really, really big into farming, right? They love to, to farm. And so they'll wake up about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning just to go farm and, you know, things like that. Because cause they, they have this, you know, they, they have this, this place where they, they have, they have uh, strawberries. And so they will take those, they'll farm, they'll, they'll make those strawberries, they'll plant those strawberries, and then they'll take that and they'll go and sell it at the flea market. So they, they're so much into that. And so, you know, when, when, my, uh, when my nephew got married to his wife, his, his wife hated that. His wife didn't want to do that at all. And so my cousin came and talked to me, and I, I told my cousin, I said, you know, you know um, brother, um, maybe the reason why your son went to marry that lady is because your son is tired of it too, so she, he doesn't want to do it too, you know? And so he was not very happy with that, but, but my cousin and, and my, my cousin's wife, they, they were pushing, they were pushing um, my nephew's wife to go out and just farm with them. And she would never be able to do it. And she'll always say to me, Uncle, you know what? I work all day long. I come home. I'm tired. I don't want to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And nobody does, right? You know, if you're working that hard, you don't want to. But, you know, one of the unfortunate things was that, I mean, my cousin, he, he didn't say much, but his wife would go, go around and, and would just talk bad about her throughout the whole community, right? That my, my daughter-in-law is so lazy. She won't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, to go with me to go farm and things like that. And so it really hurt her. It really hurt her. And, and so a lot of times when we, we talk bad about people like that, it really hurts them. And so that's why the Scripture is always teaching us that we need to talk good about people. And so I tell my, my cousin that, you know, why don't you talk good about the things that she's doing? You know, instead of just focusing on this, this, this nonsense stuff that you want her to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, instead of focusing on that, why don't we focus on the fact that she's going to school full-time and she's working full-time? And that's that's the life nowadays. It's not, we're, we're not living back in Laos anymore, right? And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them about that, but, but they're never happy about it because they're still stuck in that mindset that they want to go out and farm and sell their strawberries. And so a lot of times we, we have to understand that the words that we speak really, hurts, really hurt people. And so we have to really watch the way that, that we speak about people. And then it goes on, goes on about those who mistreat us. Our enemies are those who mistreat us. And how are we to to uh, respond to that, we are to pray for them. Jesus says we are to pray for them. You know, one of the one of the um, one of the one of my memories from when I was a child was um, one of the Hmong leaders, Hmong military leaders back in back in the old days during the war. He came and he sat down, and and, and this is what he said because I mean during the war, there was Hmong people on both sides. The Hmong people weren't just on. The, the, the United States side. There, there are Hmong people on both sides. And so, you know, of course, there's Hmong people on the communist side. And then, he, then I remember that, that leader saying that, you know what, even though they are on that communist side, they're still our brothers and our sisters. They're still our family. And we still need to love them. And that's something that kind of stuck with me. Kind of stuck with me. And then he talks about, you know, he talks about how, how you know, war is something that, that nobody wants to be a part of, but you know, um, it's something that's unfortunate. 
and he talks about, you know, he goes and he goes and talks about, you know, most superstitious stuff like, you know, the, the, the heavens and the skies are not aligned correctly. And so now that's why we're fighting. And so, but we must not take that into account. We must take into account that even though they're on the communist side, that we're still brothers and sisters and we still need to love them. And so that's something that just kind of stuck with me, kind of stuck with me from the time since I was a child, just hearing a leader in the community uh, saying something like that. So this, this is something for us to think about. This is what Christ is talking to us about, that we're still, you know, we still need to love those who are, we perceive as our enemies or are our enemies. And then we go on in verse 32 to verse 34, and we see, we see Jesus Christ talking about, you know, a different standard for us. And he says, you know, even for the sinners, they, they, they can love those people who love them, but for us it's different. For us it's different. For us, we must love those who hate us. For us, we are to love those who mistreat us. For us, we must love those who curse against us. And so we are to love these people. And then in verse 36, we see that the reason for that is because we are to reflect who God is. And Jesus Christ says we are to be merciful just as God is merciful. And so as Christians, that's what we are to to do is to reflect Jesus, uh, to reflect God in our own life. And I, I know I'm saying this, but, you know, it's, I understand it's something that's very, very difficult for us to do. But this is what the Bible says, and so something that I, that I have to teach because it's something the Bible says. And so I pray, I pray that each and every single one of us, that we will be able to understand the Word of God, and we will continue to pray, even though, though many times we'll fail. Many times we'll fail, we continue to pray and say, God, why don't you work in us? Continue to work in us so that we may continue to grow in you and, and so that we may continue to be a reflection of God's mercy, a reflection of God's, um, of God's um, grace to this entire world. And it brings us back to Joseph, that very first Bible verse that we read here today. It brings us back to Joseph. Because Joseph became the second most powerful person in the world. He could have done anything he wanted to to his brothers for selling him into slavery. But yet instead of choosing to punish his brothers, he chose to forgive them and he chose to love them. And so his brothers, his older brothers, those were his enemies. Those were his enemies. Those were the people who mistreated him. Those were the people who hated him. Those, those were the people who talked bad about him, who cursed him, sold him into slavery. And yet he still loved them in the end. And that's what we're called to do as Christians, to love each other. No matter where we are at, we are to love each other. Let us pray. Father, we come before your presence, Father. We are your children. Father, it's so hard for us to hear your words sometimes. It's so hard for us to do the things that you say to us sometimes. And so many times, Father, all we can really do is ask you for your forgiveness. And yet, Father, we also ask for your presence, that you continue to shape us, that you continue to transform us through our failures so that we will be able to grow in you and that our lives will be able to reflect more and more of who you are to this world. And so, Father, we lift everyone up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.